1: The problem is, the way we define happiness today is totally different than the way it's been defined 3,000 years until our generation. That's the problem. Listen, you pursue happiness because God programmed you to do it, but you're looking for it in the wrong place.
0: Today. Today. Today today, with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, I'm Bill, and this is Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining me. Today, we begin a new series called Everyday Heroes. The first message is about defining happiness. We've been created to seek happiness, but are we looking in the wrong places? Have we discovered the reason we're here? And are we pursuing our purpose? Let's hear from Pastor Jeff as he starts this message on defining happiness
1: the greatest leader the greatest visionary ever known to humanity who led the greatest charge ever has these words to say to you Matthew 16 verse 24 if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good then will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? God has a dream. He has a great vision for you, every single one of you, for you and me. And that vision includes that somewhere along the line, you and I will wake up before we die and we'll start to get it. We begin to understand that this is not about us. The whole world is not about you. It's about God's purposes and God's objectives and what he's doing in the world. That somewhere along the line, you would begin to realize and you would accept as truth that even while you were in your mother's womb, God was shaping you. He was giving you a personality He was giving you talents and abilities so that when you got older, one day, as the grand designer, allowing you to experience both good and evil, times of joy and times of suffering, that you would see all of that as God fully equipping you to fill that hole in the universe that only you can fill. That you're not here by accident, that there is a specific plan and purpose for your life, It's not what God has planned for somebody else's life, it's for you. And that if you go your entire life and you never find out what that purpose is, specifically what God has equipped you to do, to fill that gap in the universe in a way that only you can fill. I didn't say people didn't have your personality, people didn't have your same gifts, but they don't express it in the way that you express it. You got one fingerprint and it's only yours. God's fingerprints on your life. If you go through your entire life and you go the way of everyone else and you never take the time to discover what that gift and purpose is, that's sad. Because according to the scripture, there is a direct correlation with what God made you to do and be with your ability to feel joy and happiness in your life. So I have a question for you. Are you happy? I'm worried because according to the Orange County Register, you're not. (laughs) The title of the article says this, we are healthy and wealthy, but we are not happy. And the author paints this scenario. He says, I want you to imagine for a moment, 50 years from now, that the average household income is $50,000 more per annum than it is right now. I also want you to imagine that 50 years from now, that the average life expectancy jumps some 15 to 17 years, from 67 years of age to 84. And the author goes on to say, and I want you to imagine just a moment that because of advances in medicine and cosmology, that in 50 years from now, 50-year-olds will look and feel like 35-year-olds do today. And then here comes the punchline. That's right. You don't have to imagine. That's today. We live in great contrast to the lives and the generation of our parents. We are twice as rich, we're far more healthy, we feel much better and live much longer than our parents. And here comes the drum roll in the article and it really confuses the author. He says, we are less happy than our parents. There has been a 15 to 20% increase in the depression rate in our country in the last 30 to 40 years. 15 to 20% more people, when they were asked to describe their lives, Check the box entitled, Very, Very Unhappy. So I thought it best that we consult the leading happiness expert. He's the director of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. His name is Martin Seligman. He's written a book. That's right. He's an expert on happiness. It's called Authentic Happiness. He says in this book that in the span of one single generation, there has been a 20% increase in the depression rate In any other generation, if anything, like heart attacks or whatever increased by 10%, we would call it an epidemic. We are better off monetarily than our parents were. We don't suffer diseases badly as our parents did. We have a greater sense of liberty and freedom than did our parents. I mean, look, I've been to Africa, to Europe, to Australia, New Zealand, Asia. My parents never left Tennessee. We got more liberty and freedom and yet, He says, there's an epidemic in the United States. It's the loss of happiness and nobody seems to know where to find it. Now, here's what is really interesting about this. And I know if you're my age or around my age, you remember this. You walk across the stage of graduation, you walk down the stairs, either high school or university, there's mom and dad and they give you a big hug. What does your mom say? She puts her arm around you and she says, Jeff, I just want you to be happy. That's right. That's what we were told. I just want you to be happy. Now a few times I thought about saying, "Well, Mom, what if what if being a drug dealer makes me happy? Do you still want me just to be happy?" What if what if I embezzle? That makes me happier. What if being a mafia king makes me happy? Is that what you want? <laughs> now I didn't say that to my mom because I wanted to keep the right side of my cheek. But the point is, we laugh at that. In a recent survey, 85% of the parents surveyed said that they would rather their children be happy than that they would be good moral people. That's right. More concerned about them being happy. Whatever it is you do, that's up to you. But I'm more concerned about you being happy than I am about you being a good moral person. Which proves again, we in America are addicted to happiness. We want it for ourselves and we want it for our children. But the problem is we can't seem to find it. When we do find it, it just comes in little pieces. So we spend our time, because we're addicted to happiness, we spend our time trying to get a happiness fix. That's what you do when you have an addiction. In the form of movies, or food, or chocolate, or entertainment, or yes, even church. Did you know that? Church can be a spiritual buzz, a spiritual fix, a happiness fix until next week. Now, what's the problem? Folks, man, listen to me. I'll get real fired up in this message. Let me give you a warning right now. (laughs) The problem is, the way we define happiness today is totally different than the the way it's been defined 3,000 years until our generation. That's the problem. And I'm indebted greatly to J.P. Moreland, a great mind who lives here in Southern California, who calls this the Disneyland effect. Remember, we talked about this. Disneyland is what? The happiest place in the world. And think about it. You know why it's the happiest place in the world? When you enter those gates, it's one thrill ride after the next. It's one cone of ice cream after the next. It's one lemon juice. It's one pizza, fast food. Just one happy time to the next. And if it's your birthday, man, it's a good day because they give you a little badge. And everywhere you go, happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday, Jeff. You feel significant and important. And even though you want it to stop, there's a part of you that doesn't. (laughs) Here's how we define happiness. Pleasurable satisfaction. Filling up. Feeling good. Feeling cheerful. I have what I want. I have everything I need. I got the right car, I got the right girl, I got the right clothes, the right house with the right pool in the right community. But the problem is, when you start defining happiness like this, pleasurable satisfaction, I got to tell you, something very, very bad happens. <laughs> and let me illustrate it to you like this, another article. Guys, you'll love this. You, you, you can feel my pain here. Here is a, the title of the article, Exposure to Beautiful Women is Ruining Our Lives. <laughs> And It talks about a a, a test case that they did. They brought newlywed uh, men in and uh, college students who had had a steady girlfriend for six months or more. They brought them in and they had them fill out a questionnaire. The survey was all about this. They were trying to discover the satisfaction level these men had with their new wife or these college students had with their steady girlfriend. They answered a bunch of questions and just sent them away. Didn't tell them anything. Six months later, they brought them back. They're going to do the same thing, but this time before they gave them the questionnaire, they had them spend three hours looking at photographs of beautiful women. Not pornographic, just magazines. Then they showed them videos, TV shows, movies of all beautiful women. After they did that for three hours, they asked these young guys again to rate their satisfaction level with their spouse or their steady girlfriend. And The survey says, you know, it's amazing. It wasn't just a little bit of a decrease. Their satisfaction level with their spouse or their girlfriend significantly <laughs> decreased. And the article goes on to say that 50 years ago, man, a man would go through his entire life, maybe see five to 10 beautiful women because you rode around on horses and you didn't have color television or television and you just didn't get out that much. So your whole life you might see 10 to 15 beautiful women, but now today, no, no, no. You can be exposed to up to 300 women in three hours of television on any given night, 300 beautiful women, and they said, so men are losing interest uh, in their wives. It's not because they find their wives unattractive or their girlfriends, it's not because they find them uninteresting. It's simply because they've been convinced now that they can do better. (laughs) (laughs) There's something better and they can do it. They deserve better. Well, here's the point, man, if you define happiness as pleasurable satisfaction, Then what are you going to do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed at night? It's going to be all about you and what you want and what you need. And you're going to continually be looking for your happiness fix so that you'll turn in to the cookie monster version of mentality on humanity. See cookie, one cookie, eat cookie. That'll be you. You'll go from one pleasurable satisfaction to the next. You'll begin evaluating your life, your wife, your job, everything by asking these questions. How do they make me feel? Do they make me feel uplifted? Am I cheerful? Are they giving me what I want and what I need? Do I feel all good and ooey gooey inside? And you will become the type of person that you yourselves detest. You'll become a self-absorbed, ever-increasing, narcissistic person. That's who you'll be. Here's the deal. Happiness has not been defined as pleasurable satisfaction for 3,000 years. It's only our generation. Because before then, it was totally different. And you will find it, you college students, you majors in literature. You will find it in Plato's Republic, in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethic. You will find it in Augustine's Confessions, for you Bible scholars, in Thomas Aquinas' writings in the late 1200s. You'll find it in the world of Calvin, in the world of Luther, and you will find it all through the Old Testament. But more importantly, you will find it in something Jesus emphatically stated in the Gospels. Because happiness comes from the Greek word, is the Greek word eudaimonia. And eudaimonia does not mean pleasurable satisfaction. And for 3,000 years we knew that. It meant this. A life of character, wisdom, and virtue that finds its role in life and plays it. True happiness is connected with discovering what it is you were made to do and why you were put up on this earth and then attaching your life to that. Plato says, Aristotle rather, the happy man is the man who finds his role in life and plays it. In other words, if you're going to be happy, truly, genuinely, authentically happy and stop chasing the wind, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to discover, number one, that this world is not time plus matter plus chance. You are here for a reason. You were created specifically for a purpose. There is a hole in this universe that only you can fill. Only you. That's why God made you and he equipped you for it. He's waiting on you to acknowledge it and be involved in that activity. That'll bring you happiness. As a matter of fact, David thought thought this and believed this a long time before we ever heard of it. Psalm 139, he said, for you, meaning God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Now, young people, I want you to listen to this next line. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. If you're in this room, and you're doubting you have purpose in this world, listen, if you're in this room, and you're contemplating ending your life, let me tell you what God would say to you. In heaven's name, what are you doing? Just because you've been sidetracked all your life, just because you haven't found that place yet, doesn't mean it does not exist. As a matter of fact, the evil one wants you to end your life, because if you do, there's going to be a gap in the universe that only you could have filled, And these two Hebrew words are awesome words. They're hard to translate into English. But this word fearfully, it really evolves into our English word awesome. That you are awesome because you've been wonderfully made. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that talks about intricate detail upon intricate detail upon intricate detail. You are so unique. Nobody's like you. Nobody is exactly like you. You come with a unique set of giftings, of personalities, that when those two mesh together, then you express yourself in a way that nobody else can. you got a place to feel in the universe. God wants you to understand that, and your happiness is connected to it. That's why Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Now, stay with me. Let me finish this thought and then make that application. A shorter sermon today. You'll be happy. (laughs) Listen, I could take you back today to the city of Corinth where Paul actually faced the judgment seat in Rome, still there, where the Roman officer Would have said some pretty strong words to Paul. Paul had been accused of starting a riot in Corinth. The Roman judge would have looked at Paul and said, This, Paul, today, whether you started this riot or what, we know this by Roman literature, today, you're gonna take up your cross. Now, you don't think this word was originated with Jesus, do you? It didn't. Jesus picked up on this phrase and adapted it to how he wanted to use it to call all followers toward himself. Because when Paul heard those words by the Roman governor, Paul, today you're going to take up your cross. We now know that that meant one thing. You forfeit all your rights, all your objectives, all your goals, everything you forfeit to Rome now, and you begin to do exactly what your new master Rome tells you to do. Jesus takes that common phrase, looks to his disciples and everyone that would follow him in the future. And he says, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta take up your cross. You gotta forfeit all your rights, all your objectives, all your goals, because this world is not about you. But Jesus says, here's the promise Rome demands your soul without the promise of eudaimonia. But if you give your soul to me, I promise you, you will discover what it is to be happy, to lose yourself in my purposes in the world, and to do what you were originally made to do you will save your soul from death. Now, folks, that's what he says in the passage, but this is not a salvation passage. It's a passage to remind you of how you raise your soul out of the depths of depression and how you start facing life every day with purpose and meaning and joy. And you do that when you give up these things of pursuing your own life and you give it to Christ and his purposes in the world, you will discover what it really means to live. You will find your true self and you will find out what it is to be truly and authentically happy. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, for Jesus, you'll find it. You'll find what it is to be happy. Now that's a little heavy stuff. So we're gonna take a big, deep breath. And I'm going to try to illustrate and bring it all together. Okay, now you know we're all in this together. Well, here's another one. Hey guys, you remember when we played little league baseball and coach said, "Hey uh, Vines, I want you to go out and stand in the outfield. We're going to have batting practice." You remember how often baseballs came to the outfield? <laughs> it was punishment and torture in the hot sun. So you're standing out in the outfield waiting on a ball to come, and that's where you discover four leaf clovers. By the way, <laughs> you start looking at God's creation. Start looking around. Yeah, woo, there's one right there. I think I'll take that. And then you see the birds the way you've never seen them. You hear noises. And then you get bonked on the head with a ball. That's usually when it happens because you're not paying attention. But I'll tell you something else I've learned. Here's another thing you can do. Just stare at the sun. Your mom told you not to do it, but just look. If you keep st- Here's what happens to you. If you keep staring at it long enough, okay? Now, don't do too long because you'll never be able to see again. But if you do it long enough, then you turn your head and you close your eyes, there's these cool little dots that jump all around (laughs) in your eyelids. I promise you, they jump everywhere. This is why you came to church today, folks, right here. (laughs) The dots are jumping around. Admit it's frustrating because they look beautiful, but you really can't see them because they're jumping all around. It's frustrating. So I'd look again, close them, try to look again. I found out how to see them. Yes, that's right. You too can see them. Focus on a point in the background And if you take your eyes off the dots and focus to a fixed point in the background of your eyes, the little dots stop. They become stabilized. And you too can enjoy them in living color. (laughs) It's really cool. Jeff, what on earth is your point? If you spend your entire life pursuing your next happiness fix, and you're always in pursuit of the next pleasurable satisfaction your life will become unstable because you'll never get what you want because you can't get what you want. That dream is elusive. But if you focus on the bigger picture in the background and align your life with the very purposes of God in your life, then your life will become stabilized. The dots will stop shaking. You will find yourself. You find it by losing it and you will discover what true happiness is. When you align your life, not with pleasurable satisfaction, that's an unstable life, but with a stability that living your life for the purpose for which you were created brings. When you do that then, folks, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You find your life by letting go of it and asking where God is moving by being absorbed in what God is doing. And you start asking the question of what role were you meant and designed to play? And you align yourself with God's purposes in your life. Folks, you think you're here by accident this morning in that chair? You're kidding, right? God brings us all together in this place because every single one of you have a role to play in changing the world. And you're never going to be... Listen, I wish I could crawl up inside your head and get... Listen, you pursue happiness because God programmed you to do it. But you're looking for it. I'm looking for it. We're looking for it in the wrong place. You're only going to find it when you use your greatest... Listen, the happiness factor kicks in when you surrender your life, when you give up your rights, and when you begin to be involved in what you were made to do. And the reason your soul is depressed is because your soul knows very well that what you're doing is not going to bring eternal happiness and that it's not something that is of eternal value. You can't trick your soul. Your soul knows that all these happiness fixes are temporary at best. It knows it's just going to last for a moment and then you're going to need another one. It's waiting for that thing in which you involve yourself that matters, that is hooked up eternally And it corresponds with that thing God made you and only you to do in the world.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff.
1: Let me tell you, here's the way I see it. One day, because the Bible says that we're all trophies of God. Did you know that? We are trophies of God in a trophy case. One day, I imagine there's gonna be a big parade in heaven. God's gonna be high and lifted up. And he's going to watch this parade go through downtown New City, Jerusalem. There's going to be one float after the next. Every float filled with people who found what it is to be truly authentic. You can listen
0: happy. to more messages like Discovered this. Their purpose Just for search which they were for made Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.